Welcome to this installment of the Safety Cast. In this episode, Ryan Tinker is joined by Steve Ma to discuss electrical safety on construction sites. Hello, in this episode of the Safety Cast, uh, we'll be discussing electrical safety in the construction industry. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Steve. Uh, can you give us a bit about your background prior to coming to SafeWork? Yeah, good morning, Ryan. Um, I started my career as uh, an apprentice electrician at um, Cockatoo Dockyard, so I uh, had a lot of exposure to, I guess, things that most people don't see and um, a lot of high-risk activities out there as well. Uh, left there and went into the commercial sector as an electrician, uh, working on high-rise, fit-out. I've done a little bit of house construction. I've been um, active in most areas of the electrical industry. From there, I, um, I moved to group training where I was managing and mentoring apprentices' progress. I did that for around 10 years. And then, um, then jumped across to SafeWork, so now working in the safety industry as a safety professional. Fantastic. Thanks, Steve. Um, so electricity has been identified as a high-risk harm in the SafeWork New South Wales Building Construction Work Health and Safety Sector Plan uh, to 2022, as contact with live electrical equipment is a major cause of serious injuries uh, and fatalities in New South Wales workplaces. Yeah, Ryan, um, the construction industry has accounted for 20.1% um, of contact with electricity claims, with electricians and other miscellaneous labourers the two leading occupations impacted. Workers' compensation data for the three-year period from um, 2014 to 2017 shows that when it comes to contact with electricity, there were uh, five fatalities, uh, over 1,500 claims at a total cost of $8.7 million, and a total time loss of um, 3,141 weeks. Um, Steve, so when we're talking uh, electrical work on a construction site, what do we mean from the regulator point of view? Well, we're talking about um, temporary electrical installations on construction demolition sites, Ryan. So pretty much anything inside of the site that's being used by the workers on site as part of the construction or demolition of the property. Um, We're talking about things like the temporary wiring, we're talking about temporary switchboards, we're talking about um, power to um, fixed and mobile plants, so particularly talking about power supplies to tower cranes on site. Um, We're also talking about even getting down to things like uh, the amenities, the site sheds, the, the toilets, possibly containers that are set up as workshops. Uh, we're also talking about the end user equipment. Um, so ex- extension leads, um, power tools, uh, power boards, things like that. So pretty much the whole gamut of, um, anything that either supplies or is used by electricity on site. What, what would be, what would you call out as some of the major electrical risks on site? As an inspector? Yes. The, the most um, the most common notices that we issue would be around um, test and tag by far. Mm-hmm. Um, equipment used on a construction site, the, I, I guess the basic way to look at it is end-user equipment is a three-month test mm-hmm. um, and the wiring and um, infrastructure that supplies that site, we're looking at a six- or a 12-monthly test depending on what sort of equipment it is. Okay. Um, now, we're talking about you know, construction, electrical safety on site. So who has health and safety duties in relation to these electrical risks we've just called out on site? 
Well, as we know, Ryan, everyone on site has has a responsibility to look after their own and others' safety. But from a legislative perspective, um, there can be shared duties. Mm-hmm. The principal contact contractor for the site, without a doubt, has the main um, duty. But also the electrician doing the install also has duties under um, legislation to ensure that the work is done compliant with ASNZS 3012 and also um, that it's installed and maintained in such a way that it helps to prevent injury or exposure to um, potential injury by exposure to electricity of workers and others on site. Um, Steve, do you have some tips for businesses and workers uh, on how they can work safely when undertaking electrical work on site? Yeah, so I think, Ryan, the most important thing, as, as with anything when we talk about work health and safety, is assessing the risk. So anyone that's going to conduct a task of that type, be it installation of electrical equipment, maintenance, or, or even use of that temporary electrical equipment on site, they need to conduct a risk assessment before they start. Um, sure. It ensures that they're aware of any potential issues and also the control measures or um, or requirements under legislation that will help ensure the health and safety of workers and others. So um, I guess some of the things they could be looking at would be... Um, disconnecting or removing from service of any um, unsafe or damaged electrical equipment. It's really important for uh, principal contractors, safety officers and other workers on site to know what equipment is compliant and what's not when it comes to end-user equipment. Um, If we see on site the little white power boards that you can buy from Coles or Woolworths, um, that's not compliant because it's not designed for use in a hostile environment. It's designed for use in the home. Uh, the same with the uh, little wide extension leads that you can also buy from Coles or Woolworths. The conductor size within them is is not the conductor size that is required for use in a hostile environment and use with um, high wattage power tools, for example, grinders, drills, um, etc. Uh, what about uh, overhead and underground power lines? you want to touch on that as well? Yeah, look, uh, overhead power lines are, are a massive risk to workers in the construction industry. Not every site is adjacent to overhead power lines, but if sites are adjacent to overhead power lines, we need to be managing uh, the distances that fixed and mobile plant um, come within where those power lines are. So um, we're talking a four, four metres for scaffold. Um, and if the scaffold is installed with power lines outside the site, the principal contactor has a responsibility to contact the asset owner yes. and let the asset owner know that they're doing that work on site because it doesn't necessarily have to come into contact with those power lines. Even just coming close to high voltage overhead power lines can cause an arc. And if that arc comes across, uh, the, the electricity just wants to find its way to earth. And if a person on site is providing it with that pathway to earth, then it will go through that person and potentially cause serious injury or fatality. Uh, it can also liven up the whole scaffold. So there may not be anyone on that scaffold at that point of time. Bit of um, Rio bar or something like that might have come within close proximity to the power lines. It's arced across, that scaffold's live, someone touches it and they receive an electric shock or potentially an electrocution. Uh, underground power lines are not, I guess, not such a major issue. Um, if we do come across underground power lines on a site, it's really, really important that a dial before you dig 
check has been done prior to excavation and any controls that need to be put into place after review of that die before you dig assessment are put into place because uh, underground power lines can carry just as much voltage as overground uh, overhead power lines and um, they they require the same level of I guess care and control. And there is a, another tool available now with the overhead power lines. A look up and live. Uh, that's that's been launched recently, hasn't it? It's like a overhead mapping of overhead power lines that people can utilise. Yeah, I think it. I think it works quite yeah. in, in a quite a similar way to the doll before you dig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the over overhead power lines. Uh, you have an advantage with those because you can see them. Um, but I think something something that a lot of people don't realise is that. Uh, when you've got overhead power lines running along a street, there can potentially be more than one supply on those power lines. Mm-hmm. And generally, uh, if the second supply is higher, it is generally a different voltage. So we know we've talked about four metres um, for scaffold as the approach distance. But when we're talking about other plant, be it fixed or mobile, tower cranes, mobile cranes, um, scissor lifts, EWPs, etc., there's different approach distances for different voltages. So if a PCBU on site just assumes that what they're looking at is a low voltage overhead power line, they're working on that approach distance, but three metres above it on that on that same pole might be a high voltage overhead power line. So the approach distances are completely different. So it, it causes some issues and it's something that needs to be considered as part of the risk assessment. Um, and where, where would businesses get their approach distances from? The approach distances are in the code of practice and yep. they're also available from the asset owner. So if a business um, contacts the asset owner that owns the particular overhead power line outside their site, yep. lets them know they're going to be working there, the asset owner will give them information regarding approach distances and controls that they need to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, those controls may include uh, tiger tails on live power lines and information around approach distances. Uh, if the asset owner deems that service to be, I guess, an urgently required service and they can't afford to have any outages, they may organise an outage for that area whilst the, the scaffold's being installed or whilst any mobile plan is coming near there to prevent um, any potential damage to their network or other people's livelihoods around it if there is a strike. Okay, so it's key that PCBUs consult with the energy providers prior to undertaking any work in those um, those zones. Yeah, look, I think and another thing to remember is if you look up and you see tiger tails on a set of power lines, yep. it's a good indicator that the PC has contacted the asset owner, yep. but it's not a guarantee mm-hmm. um, because there are I guess, unscrupulous operators out there who will install tiger tails without authorisation. A lot of times the PC thinks they're doing the right thing because they've engaged someone to do it. But at the end of the day, if the asset owners don't know about it, then it's in breach of legislation. Um, Can you tell us more about the safe work projects uh, in this space, such as the construction electrical project that's just been launched Uh, and the electrical apprentice workshops too that I know you've had the law work on? Yeah, sure, Ryan. Um, I'll start with the electrical apprentice workshops because yep. we, we've had them rolling for a little while now. Mm-hmm. Um, we ran a pilot program last year where we delivered presentations to second semester first year apprentices uh, across a number of campuses, both TAFE and private RTOs, where we just talked about 
the main issues that uh, a new worker to industry will face on site. So we were mm-hmm. talking about electrical hazards. We're talking about working at heights. We're talking about silica. We're talking about asbestos. We're talking about mental health. It was quite a quite a detailed um, presentation that we did, sort of between two and a half to three hours. Yes. We were getting some very, very good feedback on it from both uh, attendees, teachers, and TAFE management. Unfortunately, COVID put a, a yeah. stop to that. We, we sort of started rolling out the pilot late last year, and um, we were looking at rolling it out on a larger scale in 2020, but um, TAFE had to stop with their normal delivery they were doing um online delivery they were doing staggered delivery they're having smaller class sizes it was very very difficult to get that exposure having said that uh we're looking forward to rolling on with the project come 2021 yeah it's a great targeted approach you need to get them at that the grassroots level yeah it's it's really important that we do they that we do get them at grassroots level they do their white card and they learn uh, an overview of of hazards but most of them aren't aware of hazards, particularly around things like silica and asbestos. Sure. That's, um, what I guess, what we call the hidden killers, really. Yeah, it's not something that's openly discussed on site as, uh, from our trade backgrounds. It's not something when you're an apprentice you really have a chat to the pra- tradesman about. So, Yeah, and, and look, some people, so, some of the people that are teaching them have um, some, some, I guess, different interpretations on the risk of those things because... You know, they may say, I'm in my 40s and I'm still, I'm still fine. But explaining to the apprentices that particularly asbestos, we're talking, you know, potentially 30 to 40 year process. So if someone starts in the trade at 18 and it takes 40 years for them to get ill, by the time they, they should be retiring and enjoying their life, uh, they're sitting in a hospital bed with, um, mesothelioma. So it's very, very important we get that out there. And um, I'll just move on to our construction electrical project now. So what we're doing is basically going to site and we're just following the bouncing ball. So we're following ASNZS 3012. So we'll be inspecting the electrical installation itself. We'll be having a look at um, labelling of switchboards. We'll be having a look at labelling of supply cables. We'll be looking at other things like um, mechanical protection of supply cables uh, we'll be going to temporary switchboards. We'll be looking at the condition and, and whether or not they're compliant with ASNZS 3012, which is the um, temporary electrical con- for construction and demolition sites standard, which is referenced within legislation. So it's actually mandatory for PCs and electricians to comply with that standard. Uh, we'll be also looking at um, testing and um, testing and maintenance of installations so there's two different ways that those installations can be tested um, for the actual supply cabling and the switchboards uh, it's mandatory that they're inspected by a licensed person so a licensed electrician when we get down to end user equipment so we're talking about power tools extension leads and, and things like that they can be inspected by what we call a competent person so yep. that that's someone who's done a TAFE course in test and tag and they're running it with what we call a portable appliance tester or a pat um and that pat tester will basically run a test over whatever piece of equipment you put in and it will spit out a tag yep yeah look i'm glad you clarified the competent person thing too it's something that comes up a lot with our with the businesses we deal with they they want to know what is a competent person what you know what do we classify so yeah 
Yeah, look, it's it's really, really important, though, that, that businesses are aware that when you are looking at the actual supply cabling and the infrastructure for that temporary electrical, that it must be tested by a licensed electrician. Yep. Uh, anything that comes towards the end user can be tested by a competent person. Yep. Um, we'll, also be, we'll, we'll also be looking quite hard at record keeping yes. because it's mentioned in the standards, so it's a legislative requirement that records are kept. Uh, we'll be looking at test tags. Um, we'll be ensuring that leads are mechanically protected from damage. So we'll be looking at leads being up off the ground on lead hooks or lead stands or whatever other way uh, the workers want to do it uh, to just protect those leads from damage. We'll be looking at the hand tools or the portable power tools themselves, making sure that they're, they're free from damage, making sure that they have a current test tag on them as well. And this uh, project will be rolled out across the state and, and targeted at all construction sites, so from residential to from, to mid to high-rise, uh, and demolition sites too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think demolition sites is, is important yep. because they tend to change at a, at a quite a quite a large rate when, when compared to construction. For sure. You can go to a site and um, the temporary electrical supply has been set up before excavation yep. and then you can go back to that site a week later and it can be excavated to five or six metres deep. So where that cable was or where those temporary power boards were quite safe previously... Maybe they're not quite safe anymore because yeah. the the ground underneath them has been excavated out and they're unstable, uh, which can cause some serious problems. Um, thanks for tuning into the safety cast, and a very special thanks to my colleague and guest Steve Ma uh, for sharing those insights regarding electrical safety today. Yeah, no problem, Ryan. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks again for taking the time to listen today. If you have any questions on this topic or any other safe work topics, please visit www.safework www.nsw.gov.au or phone us on 13 10 50. Please pass this on to any of your colleagues in the construction industry. Also, please note this safety cast is available in condensed form as the top five takeaways for electrical safety in construction.